Welcome to the Tooth and Coin Podcast, where we talk about your adventure of being a dental practice owner. Uh, in these episodes, we're going to be talking about problems that you will likely face as a practice owner, as well as give an idea about actionable solutions that you can take so that you can get past this problem in your practice. Some of these concepts are really big ones. Some of them are very specific, but we hope that these episodes help you along with your journey. Now, a very important piece for you to understand is that this is not paid financial advice. This is not paid tax or legal advice. Uh, We are not your financial advisors. We are not your CPAs. Uh, This is two CPAs talking about informational and educational content to help you along with your journey. It's a very important piece for you to understand. Another thing that you need to know is if you enjoy today's content, join us on the Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group that is active with dentists that is going to have content talking about what we're talking about today to continue the discussion. Agree with us, don't agree with us, have a story to tell, have something to share, join us in the Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and you search for Tooth and Coin Podcast, click on it to join it and be able to join us there. Finally, if you need some more help, we're developing a list of resources that are going to be centering in around our topics of discussion to be able to help you a little bit more than what the content is doing. So if you'd like access to that whenever it becomes ready, all you have to do is text the word tooth and coin, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Again, that's tooth and coin, all one word, no spaces to 33444. Reply with your email address and we'll email you instructions on how to get into the Facebook group, as well as add you to the list to be able to send you those resources when they're available. And if they're available, we'll go ahead and send them to you as well. So on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, ambitious Dennis, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Tooth and Coin Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Rugger, joined by Jonathan Van Horn. We are at episode number 10, and today we're going to talk about financial statements. Everybody's most exciting, most exhilarating topic that you could ever imagine is financial statement analysis. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I talk about financial statements at night after dinner with my wife with a big old glass of wine and uh, she just loves it. That's a, it's, a, it's a big topic of conversation in our house. We, it's amazing. <laughs> not really. She does not like. She does not listen to those things. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's topic of conversation right before bedtime is financial statement and financial statement analysis. Well, so so Jonathan, we were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and I was talking to you about a, a job interview that I was sitting in one time, and I was getting interviewed by a guy to take over a financial position for a company, and he asked me a question. He said, "What is your favorite financial statement, and why?" So I think that'd probably be a good place to start. Like, what are the three financial statements uh, that are out there, or are there two financial statements, or are there one? Whenever we say financial statements, uh, I, I'd say most of our clients. Uh, most of our dentists probably only typically think about one financial statement, and that would be the profit and loss. But you know, when we say you know, there's three main financial statements or three recognized financial statements, what are those specific financial statements, and and what are they called? Yeah, so the the three most common are going to be the your balance sheet, profit and loss, statement of cash flow. Uh, all three of those uh, have different name names that you can call them. You know. I've had people be confused and like, what's our profit and loss? I've only ever heard of the income statement or what's the you know, statement of income or, you know, all those other things. They're, they're the same thing in general. It's the balance sheet, which uh, there's the, the your profit and loss or income statement and then the statement of cash flow. Those are the three main ones. Uh, and, you know, you know, in, in terms of what your, your question, you know, my, 
I, to me, the financial statements are a, you know, while there are three separate ones, really to get a full grasp of what's going on from a financial picture, you kind of have to be able to look at all three of those at, at once and be able to read what each of those are saying uh, intertwined, at, uh, you know, with, with a bit of education. Like it's not something that you can just intuitively look at for most situations of, you know, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the balance sheet and I'm looking at the statement, uh, statement of cash flow and looking at the PL and trying to, you know, all of a sudden I know everything about this business and, uh, that just doesn't exist. Um, and you know, there's one of the big problems in the dental industry is there's a lot of misconceptions around what's on those financial statements and what, and, um, you know, one side of the coin, you have people that think that they're completely worthless. And then on the other side, there are people that think that the, the financial statements are supposed to have every answer that exists, like about your practice. And neither of those answers are correct. The financial statements are great and they, they tell you a lot about the business, but you have to understand what's going on. You have to understand what you're looking for in each of those financials in order for you to be able to actually get any value out of those financial statements. And I think that's the reason a lot of people have misconceptions and, and some confusion around you know, the value that bookkeeping brings and things like that. So, so to me, it, the, the answer to what is my most favorite financial statement, it's all of them. Uh, and <laughs> if I, if I had a choice, I'd also have, I'd have all of them plus some practice management information to be able to look at in order to be able to tell what's really happening in a business in terms of the dental field. Um, I think the answer that the, 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 the most correct answer is it depends on the industry because there's a lot of nuances in this. Like, you know, not only are there different sets of financial statements, there's different ways those financial statements can be reported. There can be, you know, an accrual basis, there can be a cash basis, the income tax basis of accounting. There's a bunch of different ways in which those same things can be reported to people. And if you don't really understand how it's being reported to you, you could come up with, you can make some mistakes and not, and not have the full value of it. So what about you? What, what, which one's your favorite one? Yeah, it's a good question that uh, that the that the guy asked me at the time, and uh, you know he had a right and wrong answer in his head, uh, and his right answer was a statement of cash flows, uh, which as 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 many accountants knows, it's difficult to kind of glean uh, a picture from somebody that's not used to looking at cash flow statements. So, anyways, I say all that to say, my favorite financial statement is the balance sheet, and I I think that'd be a good good thing for us to talk about. You know, we could probably spend an hour on each financial statement and trying to analyze how it all comes together. Uh, but my favorite financial statement is the balance sheet. Uh, you know, and to me, the thing that always sticks out to me about a balance sheet is it is a measure at a, at a specific moment in time. So what is your balance in your uh, balance sheet accounts as of today, as of the end of last month, as of the end of last year, as of mid-year, it's as a point in time, uh, which is always kind of one of those things like, let's take a snapshot of exactly where our assets sit, our liabilities sit, our owner's equity sits like at a point in time. And to me, in my in my small, uh, my small accountant brain, it gets me a chance to figure out what are the assets minus the liabilities and what's the book value or the net worth uh, of the business, which is something that I think that I think that a lot of people can wrap their heads around once we kind of put it into some simple terms. Sure. Uh, so so whenever we talk about assets, uh, we talk about liabilities, we talk about owner's equity. One of the things that I always talked about whenever I was teaching class and teaching students at the college level and teaching accounting 101 you know, they, they, they don't really understand how all of it comes into play. So I use the simple example of a home, right? So it's not specific to the business, but it'll kind of help you understand uh, what an asset is, what a liability is, and what is the quote equity, the owner's equity in that. So uh, we'll just use easy numbers, Jonathan. If you have a house 
and that you that you own a house and that house is valued at two hundred thousand dollars. That is the asset. Two hundred thousand dollars is the is the value of that house. If you own a if you have a mortgage on that house and the mortgage balance, the liability balance on that house is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. So we have a two hundred thousand dollar asset. We have $150,000 liability, and that means the equity, that's something that everybody's going to be familiar with, the equity in your property in this one specific piece, in this one specific example, is $50,000. So if I wanted to look at a position of strength uh, or weakness, I can look at a balance sheet, and I can look at the balance sheet uh, on the asset side, I can look at the liability side, and then I've got kind of the difference. What you own minus what you owe is your worth, your net worth, your net equity, your net owner's equity. That's made up a whole bunch of different complicated things. Uh, but it seemed to click with my students whenever I would say, you know, think about owning a house and there's going to be a difference. Hopefully there's a difference and hopefully it's a positive amount between mm-hmm. what your property is worth, your house is worth, minus what your uh, mortgage balance is. And that's the equity that's in the property. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, uh, that's a, a great way to simplify the assets uh, minus liabilities equals your owner equity, which is what you learn in accounting 101 is A minus L equals O, uh, which is, you know, there's three main categories that go on the balance sheet. And I agree, the balance sheet is a great way to be able to look at the financial health of a company. It may not be able to tell you, you know, trends or net profitability or anything like that, but it can definitely show you liquidity and it can t- show you, um, you know, how what type of debt ratios are, are coming into play. Uh, it can also show you, you know, is this, you know, how, how much money is that this business actually making from a, a from a accounting point of view, not necessarily a cash point of view. That's one of the limitations of these financial statements, as I said before, is that, you know, um, if this balance sheet set up on the income tax basis of accounting, that owner's equity has a lot of different things that that uh, that affect it, um, that it can can make those numbers look a little odd. Uh, and so that 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 and the reason is because that equity number, you know, it rolls over every year. Uh, and so it's like a running balance and some people can get kind of confused on it because you can literally have a profitable, well-ran dental practice and have almost nothing on your balance sheet. Um, you know, your, your assets could be almost, you know, could be, you know, say a hundred thousand dollars and your, uh, owner's equity could be a hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, that practice could be a, you know, I don't know, a, a $2 million practice. Um, so, um, one thing that's an important concept to also introduce is that, you know, value does not technically equal the equity. So to take your home value for for a step another another step further so people can understand the balance sheet if that home skyrockets in value let's say you bought it for two hundred thousand um and you owed the let's just say a hundred thousand you have a hundred thousand in owner's equity if that amount you know the value of that home went up you know to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars you still only bought that thing for two hundred thousand right um but you now have equity of 250,000, you know, because you still only owe a hundred thousand, but the value is higher. Um, so your basis is $200,000 minus a hundred thousand in liabilities equals your basis is a hundred thousand dollars, but your value is $150,000 above that. But in the term, in the accounting world for the income tax basis of accounting, you don't write up basis to what the value actually is. You just keep it at what your current, what your basis is, because that's what we're trying to track on an income tax basis of accounting. So if you're looking at your balance sheet and you're like, oh no, you know, I only got, you know, $150,000 in assets um, and, you know, er- er- nothing else, 
you know, and then $150,000 in equity, you may have a business that's worth a whole lot more than that. And that's just a, what we call a, a book tax difference. Um, if this, if we were being very, 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 very thorough and being in spending a lot of time and spending a lot of time on your books and you're paying us a lot of money to make those write-ups and adjustments to actual value, you know, having a valuation done every year and having everything be, you know, written up to the value of the practice, um, then the financial, the balance sheet would say those things, but that can be a, kind of like a hidden thing inside of a balance sheet. So I think that's an important point to, to, to get across too, is that, you know, the balance sheet shows you a lot of really cool things. And also there can be things that can be a little bit misleading on it. So when we talk about the differences in, 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 in equity, the equity section is the area that always gets kind of confusing to people. <laughs> um, so, uh, so be careful, be careful around that, that piece. Um, but let's talk about what you look for on a balance sheet to see a healthy dental practice, so to speak. Yeah. Just, let's, let's just focus on dental practices rather than um, talk about other industries and things like that. Yeah, sure. So, so one of the things, so whenever you look at a balance sheet, there's typically, as Jonathan mentioned, there's three sections, there's assets, liabilities, and owner's equity. And inside of the balance sheet, most balance sheets are going to subcategorize all of those different sections. So mm -hmm. in your asset section, you're going to have something that's called an, a current asset. So a current asset is something that can be converted to cash or is cash can be converted to cash in a year or less. Uh, so this would be, you know, how much cash is in the practice checking account? Do you have a certificate of deposit? Do you have a savings account? So like these things all can be turned into cash uh, either immediately or certainly in less than one year. Uh, so those are current assets. And then, your long, then, then you've got your longer term assets and you may have some property, you may have some uh, equipment. All of those things are going to fall into a separate section of the asset uh, section of the balance sheet. So whenever I'm looking kind of kind of initially and I'm taking a quick glance, I'm going to look at current assets. And I'm also going to look at uh, the flip side of that, which is a current liability. So when we talk about a current liability, it's the same one year rule. So the current liabilities are things that are due in less than one year. So think real simple terms like your credit card, like that's due uh, within 30 days, right? So that's going to be due if you've got, uh, if you're tracking your accounts payable through your uh, through your balance sheet, that would be a current asset because that's going to be due in less than a year versus a long-term liability, maybe like your 10-year practice loan, that's going to be at a different section. So one of the one of the financial metrics that a lot of banks are going to look at when they're trying to evaluate your financial strength as a practice, uh, and again, this is an imperfect system, there's a tons of different ways to value different pieces, but they're going to look at what's called the current ratio and it's very simply your current assets divided by your current liabilities. So just to give you an easy example, if I've got $100,000 of cash in the practice checking account and I have an accounts payable balance, credit card balance, all of that, all my current liabilities added up to 100,000, then I have a current ratio of 1. And what that simply means is if all of those got called today, all of those liabilities, the bank called, the credit card called, you know, the line of credit, all that stuff gets called today. You can do you can pay all of your bills times one. Uh, if you had, for example, two hundred thousand dollars in the practice checking account and a hundred thousand dollars in liabilities or current liabilities, then you could do that twice. So that would be a current ratio of two to one. What are I? I mean, when you look at financial statements, Jonathan, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people look at different pieces. I, I mean, it's easy for me to say that if you have less cash on hand than you do in credit card debt, like that's a problem and we need to work through that. But what are some of the kind of the healthier things that you're looking for? If we just talk about current assets divided by current liabilities, or basically like if we're going to super simplify it down, 
cash divided by bills that are out there? What are what are you looking for? Yeah, on the balance sheet specifically, the first thing. So another thing that is important for people to realize in, in terms of balance sheets is that um, everything is listed in form in, in the form of liquidity. Um, so the most liquid assets are listed first in the set of the asset state and on the on your on your balance sheet. And the way the balance sheet set up is there's the assets set you know, what are called just assets overall. And those are broken up into current long-term assets and other assets. Um, And then there's a liability section, which liability section is also, it's supposed to be listed in order of uh, how how soon that debt is due. So the first thing that I look at to the very top, which is the most liquid thing, which is cash. Cash is always going to be your most liquid thing all the time. Um, Usually the next thing is going to be something like AR, uh, inventory, equipment, uh, and then other assets like intangibles and things like that will be listed. Um, but I always look at cash. I mean, that's the first thing because if I look at a, a, a practice and cash equals, uh, you know, um, $20,000, then, you know, this, unless this is a startup, you know, this practice could be, uh, have, have, ha- could have some, some issues going further. There's a lot we can't answer yet. Um, so, you know, in terms of like a math concept, this is a, um, not enough information <laughs> type thing. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm looking at a, ba- a, a balance sheet that has very little amount of cash, you know, there's some liquidity issues. Like there's, you know, it, what happens if, you know, a, a, a machine goes down and we're going to have to take on debt? Because that could, if we do have to take on an additional debt in order to do that, that could exacerbate the cash problem. Um, so the first thing I look for is cash. Um, I look at how liquid is this business? Um, because that can give you a lot of signs and that gives you a lot of context for what you're going to look at when you look at the other pieces of the practice. Um, so the next thing that I'll look at is current debt, uh, liabilities that are um, likely to have to come up soon. Like you said, if cash is less than credit card debt, then that's a big red flag. We've got some issues here. We got, we, we've got a cash issue because um, that should not be the case in most dental practices. You should not have more credit card debt than cash um, from a financial theory perspective, you know, the interest on your credit card debt will go, will, will eat away at your cash faster than your cash will sit there. So the value of that cash will go down. The interest on the credit cards will go up and you're going to have a, a problem. that's just going to get worse before it gets better. So yes, that's a, that's a big issue um, on for, for most dental practices. If I'm looking at a, a balance sheet, just to kind of analyze how the business is doing. Um, uh, and another thing that I want to really, really quickly hone in on in case some, cause we didn't, we didn't preface this. This is in terms of we're just analyzing a practice in terms of looking at someone who has a practice and how well that practice is doing. We're not looking at this in terms of like buying a practice because what the old owner did and how well they were, how good they were at saving money does not affect the new owner. This is no, not a specific situation that we're talking about. You know, we're looking to buy a practice or something like that. Cause to be honest with you, if, I don't even, I, I don't think I even look at balance sheets whenever I'm analyzing practices to purchase. But when I'm looking at a client's, you know, if a client says, Hey, how's my business doing? I will look at a balance sheet in that regard because it can help, it can help me guide them better with what it is they're needing to do. Um, whereas if we're buying a business, you know, I don't really care what the old owner was doing. I only care what the new owner is going to do. Um, so there's a little bit different of a situation there. So, and you don't buy like the credit card debt when you buy a business. So who cares if they had a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt? Um, now that could, it could show us something, you know, in terms of like a spending issue, but the spending that the, the spending on that liability would be affected in the PL under expenses. So we'd also be already taking that into consideration when we look at the PL, which we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but 
So anyway, so yes, uh, cash, and then I look at short-term liabilities, and I look at total debt. I mean, how much is how much do we actually have in debt in this office? Because that's a big thing. It's a big deal. You know, you need to know how much money and debt this this practice has. Because uh, if you don't, then it's the same thing. You know, it, how how big is this a problem that is spiraling out of control? Is this a um, is this just, you know, we're investing in the practice heavily and we're using, uh, other people's money to do that. Um, you know, if so, that's fine, but I don't like seeing a whole lot of debt and seeing like cash and credit card debt being, you know, flip-flop, like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a negative balance there. And we're taking on consistently more debt. Um, you know, the only way I could say that, that would be worth it would be is if you're trying, you know, if, if for whatever reason you're, you know, I don't know, you, 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 if you knew that you bought X machine, X machine would be bringing you more money. And that's really the only way that I'd, that'd probably be making sense. So, um, so that, so that, that's what I look like at on the balance sheet. I do look at equity a bit, um, just because, uh, I'll have to see if, you know, if it's a, if it's an S corp, how many, how much in distributions we're taking. Um, it has, uh, equity has the net income on there, but unless it's something that, our firm created for a client about a financial statement our firm created. I don't really even look at the owner's equity because I just assume that it's going to be wrong. <laughs> uh, like you, as you can say, you know, Joseph and I've talked before, you know, before you joined our firm, he was like, I, I had no idea that uh, so many firms didn't know how to do bookkeeping. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we demand a very high quality of, of bookkeeping service from our, from our, our company and for our clients benefit, because we believe in what's on those financials. Uh, and, you know, so basically unless someone, unless it's like a trusted source for that financial statement, I don't even look at it on the equity side because most of the time it's wrong. And so my assumptions will be incorrect, but usually cash and liabilities are usually right. Uh, we've definitely seen people come in with debt and they're like, their debt is like, you know, negative $800,000. Like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like we're going to have some work to do on this one. <laughs> so that happens. But, um, anyway, so, so that, that's really what I look for on the balance sheet, uh, as a whole. What about you? Is there anything else that you look for on the balance sheet? One of the things I love to do with balance sheets is I love to compare them and see. So, you know, mm -hmm. most of your accounting softwares that are out there, or if you have financial statements that are generated, you know, this is basically a, a book value of your practice that you can look at over time. So, you know, when, I, when I'm doing a financial statement analysis or a client asks me how I'm doing and I kind of really want to dig in, I'll do a balance sheet as of the 31st of last month and I'll compare that to the prior three months. Uh, or I may put it at 1231 and compare it to the prior three years. And let's see over time, like what's going on with cash, what's going on with debt, what's going on with uh, owner's equity. And of course, you know, that's all also under the assumption, Jonathan, that I'm looking at a good set of books. You know, as you and I have talked many times, you know, we can take a look at a balance sheet a lot and say, mm, something's not right there. There shouldn't be a negative upside down balance in an accounts payable account like that's not right. Uh, so, you know, I like to look at things over time. So hopefully you've got a good set of books that you're looking at and you can look and see, you know, what's happened to cash over time. If cash goes up $50,000 a month uh, and equity stays the same and we look down and it's because we've taken $50,000 out in shareholder distributions every single month. Like that's that's a good good problem to have is cash is increasing, distributions are coming out and we're still uh, we're still increasing our overall position. So I like to look at the comparative and see kind of what's going on and what happens. If I see a big, huge decrease in cash of $25,000 in a given month, I may see, oh, look at that. They bought a $25,000 piece of equipment. Well, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not money that went out the door because we spent too much money on overhead. 
you know, that's a piece of equipment that hopefully is going to increase our bottom line. So that's one of my favorite ways to look at a balance sheet is to just compare it to the prior couple of periods and see. And you can look at it, you know, if you wanted to do like a quarter by quarter and see what 1231 looked like versus 930 versus 630 versus 331, just see how things have progressed over time. Uh, those are those are the ways that I'm looking at. I'm and, and I'm also looking at the same stuff that you mentioned, which is looking at the cash position and looking at the liability position and seeing what that looks like. You know, one of the other, uh, one of the other, there's a ton of financial statement ratios that are out there. You know, one reason that banks and financial institutions like to look at ratios is it puts everybody on the same level. So like $900,000 of debt for a dental practice is not the same as $900,000 worth of debt for a publicly traded company that's huge, like a Walmart or a Google, right? Like those are not good uh, indicators, right? If you looked at cash in the bank account, my $100,000 is not comparable to Walmart's $100,000 in their cash account. Right. So that's why banks and a lot of financial institutions look at ratios because we can compare what's the debt to equity, what's the debt to uh, assets, what is the current ratio, what's the quick ratio, all of these different things can basically put everybody kind of on the same playing field to figure out what kind of cash position they are. So uh, you know, my my quick easy one to go on is looking at that current assets divided by current liabilities and making sure that that's more than one, uh, and trying to figure out you know what's what's that looking like over time. You know, we have we have clients that start out and you know for one reason or another they have to take out a, a practice loan and that practice loan doesn't cover everything that they need. So you know they've got to look at other forms of debt, whether it's a you know a high interest rate debt or it's a, a credit card they had to take out in advance on a credit card. Like we see some of these things that happen. Uh, over the course of time, you know, what you want to see is, you know, as you look back at 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, you want to see progress in each one of these things. And if you continue to have an upside down uh, assets versus current assets versus current liabilities, like I know that we've got a problem and we've got a problem that we need to fix because we don't have any profitability. Because if we had profitability, we'd probably be able to pay down some of those debts. Yep. But certainly a bunch of stuff goes into all of those different pieces. You know, you may be taking too much out in owner's draws or spending too much on CE or any of these other things. You know, and, and one of the things that, that you mentioned early, Jonathan, was the the concept of all of these financial statements work in conjunction with each other. You can't just look at a balance sheet and know everything there is to know about a practice. You can't right. just look at a P&L and figure out if that's a good office or not. You can't just look at a cash flow statement and say, well, that's everything you need to know. Because, you know, we were, we were talking before the call, like, you know, what if they had five huge cases in the month of December that, you know, jacked up their P&L, but all five of those cases that came through, they were super PO'd by the time that they left the office and they'll never come back again. And we're not going to have those five cases. So, there's there's a ton of different things that you've got to look at and evaluating the overall health of the practice. I really like the balance sheet because it gives us a point in time. It lets sure. us see what do we own minus what do we owe, and we want to see that number increasing over time. Yep, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I love the fact that you can, since it is a picture of time, you can look at two different pictures, and it's kind of like you know, like on Facebook, I look at the pictures of my kids, and then I look at them now, I look at the difference that they've had, and what, what changes, and things like that. Right? Like it's it's a fun thing to do to be able to see how they've changed in the business. Hopefully, when you look at the things that have changed, they've happened in a good way, and they're going to be fun to look at too. So yeah, definitely look at the balance sheet. I and mean, we do that. I do that for our firm, and I do that for uh, a lot of things of comparing it period over period because. Like I said, the snapshot in time doesn't really tell you the whole picture. Um, the balance sheet over time will tell you a lot more. Uh, so I agree. And in terms of the other things, um, just a really quick thing in terms of when you're looking at um, cash, a way that I try and take this concept is uh, for, for cash is I like to have, not only do I like to have more cash than I do short-term liabilities, 
I also have enough like to have enough cash to equal at least one to two times what your break-even costs are going to be on a monthly basis. And I'll use that. So this is going to be a two-part episode. Um, this is episode 10 of the balance sheet. We'll do episode 11 will be the profit and loss. Um, and so we'll move over to the profit and loss now, but you would use the, uh, you use the break-even point to um, basically use as a metric to take versus your cash amount to see how much cash you have to be able to sustain um, like kind of a rainy day fund, so to speak. Um, so I like at least 100 to 200 percent of your breakeven point being in your bank business bank account with um, the caveat of you also need more cash than you have short term liabilities. Um, and so probably, honestly, the best thing to do is to have your cash net cash, which would be your total cash minus your short term liabilities. That amount should be two times your breakeven point. Um, I think that'd be, that's a very healthy amount of money to keep in there. Anything extra than you, you know, then, you know, a lot of the times in a single owner dental practice, that money gets funneled out to the owner, then gets reinvested in other places in, in their personal lives to be able to have, you know, uh, help with their wealth building and things like that. So, so let's talk about the, the PL. Which, what do you like about the PL? What is it that, you know, get you going in the morning whenever you see a, a really nice PL? <laughs> yeah, good, good, good thought. So, so the P&L, the profit and loss, the income statement, uh, if we're talking nonprofit statement of activities, right? there's all these different fancy names for it. But it's basically like, are we running a profitable business? Is this business making any money? Uh, so I think that there's a couple of different kind of old terms that I've, I've heard uh, kind of mentioned out there. So one of them is that revenue is vanity. Like, oh, look at me. I'm a $1.4 million practice. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Look at how awesome. Let me pound my chest about my $1.4 million practice. Revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. If you have a $1.4 million top line, Jonathan, but you spend 1.8 a year, like that's not a good practice. I'd much rather have a $800,000 practice that spends $400,000, right? Like, so revenue, revenue, top line, sales, collections, whatever you want to call your top line, revenue is vanity and profit sanity. So uh, I have a tendency to, to kind of quickly scan and look at what's top line revenue look like and uh, quickly scan to the bottom and figure out what the bottom line income is. Uh, so, you know, a, a, as I'm sure you'll probably be able to tell our listeners, like why, if, if, if that's just quickly where I'm going, what are some, uh, what are some different pieces to that that may not tell me the whole picture? If all I do is hop straight to the bottom line in a dental practice, I mean, you know, the, the vast majority of our clients and the people we work with, for the most part, are single owner practices. Like what's what's the harm in just looking at top line? Top line's 1.6. Bottom line is $10,000 or $50,000 or pick a number. Like what's what's missing in that piece of the in that piece of the picture that's not giving them a full picture? So again, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to beat this like a dead horse is that the first thing is that you got to make sure their financial statements are really accurate because if they're not, and then you're going to be just, you're going to be pounding sand to try and get any actual information off of those things. Um, so to me, uh, you know, the, the, the net income or the net taxable income or whatever you want to call it, net profit, um, whatever it is, uh, it has to be set up in a format that's un that you can understand and quickly pull out information that is discretionary in nature. One of the things that happens super commonly in dental practices is that there's a lot of discretionary expenses. So for example, um, let's say, you know, so I'm not saying that obviously um, every person's situation is different, but some people, for example, take a 
uh, say a, a $290,000 wage. And the reason being is that, you know, um, that that's what they think their compensation should be. Maybe it's a percentage of revenue of their production. Maybe it's a percentage of revenue. Maybe it's just a flat amount. But a lot of the times when they have wages of those, those amounts, when they're paying themselves, has something to do with the 401k that's in the practice so that they can have a profit sharing plan when the calculations being done they get a maximized amount being contributed from their employee and the employer deduction and then whenever they do the profit sharing amount calculation the they usually get a pretty favorable uh, amount going towards them if they set it up in that way um you know if I, i've seen dental practices that came through that they set that up and they are literally spending $150,000 more than they have in profit on the owner's compensation. So it's saying, you know, the, the net income says a negative $140,000 in net income because the owner payrolled themselves 290,000, you know, doesn't sound like a net loss to me. <laughs> ex exactly. So that's the danger of doing that is you have to know what's discretionary and what's realistic. Um, if you're, if you're like analyzing a business and seeing how, how, how profitable is this business? It's a complicated answer because, you know, the owner should be compensated, obviously. But, you know, if that person taking $290,000 in wages, you know, top line revenues, say, I don't know, 800000 and they only, produ they only produced, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying only as in it's a bad thing, I'm saying only in terms of the conversation. They only produce, you know, say 600000 And, you know, they took out, you know, two hundred ninety. they took out almost 50% of their production in, in wages, not to mention, you know, payroll taxes and everything that goes along with that benefits. Um, so, uh, that, that number may not be what, you know, if you had an associate and, you know, they were working for you and you were doing 800,000, you had a practice that, you know, um, someone else was working at and they produced 800, you know, 600,000 out of the 800,000 being brought in, you know, would you pay them $290,000? Probably not. So it's discretionary, right? So like, well, what would be more realistic? You know, if you're paying them a third, you'd be paying them 200,000 and that'd cut that $140,000 loss and do 60,000, you know? So that, that's, a, it, it, it's all, it's all, it, it all depends on the practice. There's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, but if you're analyzing a practice, bar none, what I do is I look at, when I look at P and L's, I do a head count of, um, seller's discretionary earnings. Um, a lot of people use the term EBITDA in the dental field. Um, which is not really EBITDA because you've most people never put back in the actual cost of someone to replace the owner. Um, so, so the, the correct term of that is seller's discretionary earnings, which basically is uh, you're, you're, you back out um, whatever was discretionary, which is typically the owner's wages. You know, is there a family member that's on payroll that you know is getting you know forty fifty thousand dollars a year to know, be an office manager. Are they actually there every day? Are they actually fulfilling all the rules? What an office manager would do? Um, you know, the taxes, payroll taxes associated with that have to be backed out. Um, are there any travel expenses for CE that are maybe being more expensive that they wouldn't normally give those same types of reimbursements to an associate to do those types of things with? Um, are there any types of meals and entertainment? Are there any types of, uh, you know, health insurance? It's just for the owner. Um, there's tons of different things that can go into that P&L that will be on the P&L if it's well, it's properly being recorded, but needs to be pulled out to, to actually show what's happening from a, um, from, uh, to be able to compare it to other benchmarks of other practices. And honestly, that's another reason why I don't really trust a whole lot of the benchmarks that are out there in the dental field, because I, I just don't, if I don't, if I can't, if I don't have faith, full, the full faith of every CPA is out there's financial statements, then how am I supposed to have faith in a, in a study that 
benchmarks using those financials as their basis point. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, they're all self-reported too, right? Exactly. These aren't audited financial statements; they're self-reported. So, so they're generalities, and you know, you know, we work with around 250 offices, and we see there are just differences in dental practices. Um, so a PNL to me is a fantastic thing to look at and to, to get to have an understanding of what's happening. But to me, you have to be you have to be financially savvy enough to to to, to calculate out that seller's discretionary earnings um, in order to be able to calculate what the actual profitability of this practice is from a dollars and cents perspective. Once that is done, you would then um, look at those different key categories, which again is another area where I find a lot of dental practices financials don't have things properly segmented inside of their financials. So you can't do that. So um, the the presentation of the PL for dental practices is, is, is just as important as um, you know the under the the understanding because you and I could look at a financial statement that would come to us and if it's a if it's not a really really well defined PL, I mean we've seen PLs that came through that have had 10 expenses on it. Like and that's all the expenses on the PL. Like they have nothing else. And wages. Like, yeah, wages. Like payroll taxes is added on that, insurance is on that, you know, um, uh, um, I, com- they had a consultant probably in wages. They had like, you know, they probably did some recruitment that was in wages. Like and it's just all in one big pile, one big line item. You can't, you can't, you can't define anything out of that. So presentation is just as important um, as well. So what about you? What are some things that you, what are other things you like to look at on the PL? Cause I got, I could probably talk about this for another two hours. Hey everybody, Jonathan uh, checking in again here. Uh, just so you know, this episode went really long. This episode is actually a three-part episode because there's a lot of it for us to talk about in these episodes. Uh, so make sure you follow it up and listen to the following conversations that we'll release uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, again, this is a three-part episode. This is part one, uh, and we will uh, check in with you on the rest of it going forward. Thanks. That's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tooth and Coin podcast. Uh, If you are going to be a practice owner or a new practice owner and you're interested in CPA services, head on over to toothandcoin.com where you can check out more about our CPA services. Uh, We help out around 250 offices around the country and would love to be able to have the discussion about how we could help your new practice. We do specialize in new practice owners, so people that have Uh, are are about to be an owner of a practice they're acquiring, about to be an owner of a practice they are starting up, or has become an owner in the past five years. That is our specialty. Uh, We'd love to be able to talk to you about how we could help you in your services with your tax and accounting services. Uh, And if you enjoyed today's episode, again, go to the Facebook group, talk to us about what we've talked about, um, join in on the discussion, and let's create an environment where we can talk about some of these things so that we can all help each other get through these things together so that this adventure of business ownership is more fun, more productive, and better in the long term. Lastly, if you want access to those resources that we're going to that we are currently building, just text the word tooth and coin to 33444. That's tooth and coin, no spaces, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Reply with your email address. We'll send you the instructions in the Facebook group. We'll send you the resources when they're available and we will see you next week.